Microsoft lays off 10,000 employees and Rocksteady Suicide Squad leaks. Why are there so many layoffs in the game industry when it looks like it's thriving from the outside? And we are live. Welcome back to Checkpoint, the show where we're still workshopping our new intro. Today, it's the show where we bring you all of our thoughts, all of our feelings on the latest news in the gaming industry. I'm one of your hosts, Jim Jam, James Walmer. Yep. Brought to you with the spiciest meatball in gaming, Vincent DeSantis. What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome. One How are we doing? 145, five from 150. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. A lot of weeks, baby. Guys, welcome back to checkpoint oh wait that's part of the oh, oh, oh. <laughs> listeners thank you you can find us on youtube at youtube.com slash really casual please hit us with a rating on audio platforms and subscribe just any sort of engagement with us helps us out a lot um what else is going on, on the channel uh last of us we did last and of us stream right writer has his kihei kwan video video yep it's great yeah it was great i have yet to see it but go watch it yeah it was. It's fun. I just. I mean, it's award season for movies. Uh, BAFTA noms uh, were came out today. We got Critics' Choice at the beginning of the week. We'll have Oscar nominations next week. It's just award show, award show, award show for movies. It's my favorite. I love it. And then next week is the Xbox Bethesda conference. Um, yeah. That at least Vincent and maybe Ryder are covering. But most likely, I, it's happening on Friday or Thursday, the twenty fifth. At of course a weird time. So. Okay. I don't know what time it was again, but I looked at it and I was like, mm, I don't know. We'll see. So okay. we'll see when we get there. But I'm excited for I whatever it's it is. it's early for you. Okay. I think it's like 7 a.m. for you. Oh, that's fantastic. That's better. That's even mm, better. Maybe. I could be misremembering. Okay. But I could be in the middle of my work day. Sure. Mm. Big working man, James. Are you excited for your working internship? Man. Yeah, I got another job offered today too for web design. Whoa, congrats. We'll have to talk about that. Yeah. I'm excited. We will. But yep. our first big topic of the day is talking about this crazy bomb that kind of got dropped yesterday that Microsoft lays off 10,000 employees. Um, 10,000! 10,000 is a giant number. That is 5% of Microsoft. Um, This is not just the games industry. This is 10,000 jobs across many different sectors of Microsoft, but there is some game sectors that have been hit and hit pretty hard from the looks of it. Um, So what, what do we got here? So according to a Bloomberg report written by Jason Schreier, at least 878 positions in Microsoft's Washington location have been cut. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said the company began notifying affected employees today and plans to finish laying off the full 10,000 by quarter three of this year. So it'll take the year. It'll take the year. It'll happen over the course of this year. Yeah. Um, Nadella attempted to spin the layoffs in a blog post today, noting that the 10,000 cut jobs represent less than 5% of the total workforce. He claimed the company will invest in secular growth and long-term competitiveness while providing support to folks impacted by the layoffs. So through that process throughout this year, they're going to be working with them to provide severance and things like that. I assume that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I would, I would assume so too. The CEO added that because customers optimize their digital spend to do more with less, some workforce reduction was necessary to align company costs and revenue with customer demands. However, he noted that Microsoft still plans to hire in key strategic areas. To me, this sounds like they're just going to have less people doing more things, which is a little bit of a yellow flag. Or this could mean when they say hire in key strategic areas, I would assume that's also leadership changes. Mm. 
like I, I think these right now we're seeing layoffs. Uh, we're seeing more just employees than management get laid off. But sure. if they're laying off this many people, you're not just laying off workers. I don't think you're you're doing some switch ups. So when she says hire or when he says uh, hire in key strategic areas, I would assume that is people in powerful positions. Mm-hmm. Which is not. important to know when we get into like the second half of this yeah. discussion too. Um, Vincent, take the rest of this. Yeah, so when asked for a comment, Microsoft pointed Kotaku to Nadella's statement. So basically they got nothing. But in recent times, affected Studio 343 Industries has had its hands full supporting Halo Infinite. The latest entry in the long running, you've no Halo Infinite. Uh, Bethesda, on the other hand, is a hard at work on the upcoming spacefaring epic Starfield, which will get a standalone presentation sometime this year, which we're very excited about. Meanwhile, the Coalition is apparently working on some new IP alongside... Uh, another entry in the Gears of War franchise. But these studios, it's unclear how these projects will be affected by the wake of layoffs. There has been reports of layoffs in each of these three studios. That is why the article is mentioning it. Uh, but we don't know exactly how far. I saw a lot of people. It was sad. It's it's always sad when there's layoffs. Um, you have people so proud to work at these companies and have been working like really hard for years and years and years to get to these companies. And it was just mm-hmm. this guy like kind of telling his story of like, you know, playing Halo as a kid, the typical, like, it's his dream to, like, work on this sort of thing. Works on Halo for 15 years or something like that, like, in Microsoft, then in Halo for however many years, and just, like, he's heartbroken that, like, that's how it came to an end. It wasn't like he chose to, like, go do something else to the next thing. Uh, it was, your time is up, like, someone else telling him your time is up, and that's that's tough when you've been working towards that your whole life. So, layoffs are not, they're not fun. They suck for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, as per Michael McWhorter, Polygon's article in the subject, uh, Satya Nadella noted that there would be changes to Microsoft's hardware portfolio with potential impact to HoloLens, Surface, HoloLens, and P- HoloLens Surface, and PC accessories. So, this is just saying that the layoffs may affect the development of these. Is that kind of what it's saying? Yeah, it's just saying that like it removes the focus a little bit. Like Satya Nadella, in terms of his specific, um quote on what this is going to affect yeah he chooses to note um hololens surface and pc accessories got it like he doesn't himself mention the gaming like any of the gaming things but he does say like these are the three things that's probably going to affect the most yeah i mean if i were to guess it'll be interesting to see by the end of the year i mean not interesting to see it's going to suck to see everybody get laid off but um Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what areas are affected most because i mean it might not be the games is probably not the uh, the center of this by any means. It's I'm sure right. there's a lot going on, um, but it definitely does it definitely does affect game development and it affects Microsoft's first party studios, which are in a very peculiar spot right now. With uh, they need to be firing on all cylinders right now. I would say very vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. So what what did you bring? You brought this this morning, so I don't know too much about it, but I think it's super interesting. Yeah, so um, this morning, there's a Polygon article written, um, I think it's by Joe Statton, um, about ex-Halo devs and their response to the layoffs. As you could assume, saying some really shitty things about Microsoft. Um, Patrick Wren, a former senior multiplayer designer on Halo Infinite, now working on Star Wars uh, Jedi Survivor, respawned to not mince his words, saying, the layoffs at 343 shouldn't have happened and Halo Infinite should be in a better state. 
the reason for both of these things is incompetent leadership up top during Halo Infinite's development, causing massive stress on those working hard to make Halo the best it can be, he tweeted. Um, another theme and complaints about the management of 343 Industries was heavy reliance on short-term contractors, a policy which some said came from the mothership at Microsoft. Um, quote, don't forget the heavy reliance on contractors and vendors, and that messed up, um, and sorry, that, that messed, messed up system. system. Yeah, though I know that's more Microsoft, said former Halo Infinite developer Nicholas Bird. The contract stuff is just a whole other can of worms that pisses me off. So many amazing people and talent that just disappeared. Um, Interesting. So that is that quote is saying that, like, although they had the staff to work on certain things, instead they would hire outside short-term contractors, which was another hurdle. I'm sure that that's always a hurdle of work when you're someone is brought on to do, like, a certain task. You have to, like, onboard them with, like, all of the, your workflows and stuff and then yeah. somehow transition that back when they're done instead of having people, hi like, hire people for that full-time, in a sense. Right. Like, why are you doing these random contracts? I, I could see that being a huge barrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, Xbox Game Studios boss Matt Booty <laughs> recently <laughs> admitted to the game, <laughs> to the game stumbling at the finish line, talking about Halo Infinite, and said that its live service plan fell short. And we'll get into more on uh, live service plans in the industry yeah. in another article soon. But, I mean, the initial question that you pose, Vincent, is why are there so many layoffs in the game industry when it looks like it's thriving from the outside? Yeah. And my response is that like I think for particularly in Microsoft shoes, I don't think it looks like it's thriving from the outside. I think there's no. a very noticeable gap in quality AAA experiences for Microsoft. Yeah. Um, and people have asked the question, why? Like, why is this the state that it's in? I think this is part of it, not just the layoffs, but just like I think some of the incompetent leadership that we see in this X Halo dev interview Yep. article mm -hmm. i mean i i would also say that it looks good to the consumer the game industry right now because there are so many things coming out yeah we can complain about a dry couple months or whatever here and there but there's so much coming out at once that is there demands for attention. microsoft no i'm i'm saying this is a general this is a general blanket uh for the games industry because I, I mean we've seen layoffs at so many different places at this point like different sure. studios and stuff um I think it's hard to have a game that devours the media circuit that then everybody plays. I think a game can be good that does not come out on the media circuit and it is underplayed and underviewed and stuff like that. And that can right, lead to an indies. underperforming game. Tons of indies. Tons of AAA games just don't come out quality too. We see like, right. I mean, we're going to talk about one in a sec. We have Gotham Knights this year, which didn't look... It, it was cool when it got announced. People showed gameplay. Did not look good. Did not look like a good direction. Maybe had some comeback marketing, I would say. Marketing that turned the tide on public opinion a little bit. And then it came out, absolutely, people did. People, there was such a distaste in people's mouth after playing that, even a little bit. So much came off about that. And that was like so many years since uh, uh, WB Montreal's last game. So we assume that they're not in good shape right now either. And Part of it is that people's expectation is so high for some of these games. Um, but it's not just an expectation. It's, it is. It's an expectation of quality. When I buy something at $70, it should be this, this, and this, and it should run well right. on this and this and this. And those are some basics. Um, and I think 
that when those games underperform that do not hit that expectation, we're hit with studios that are in terrible spots, really bad spots after working on these games that they think are going to be hits for years. That's why. Uh, and I th- and I think like there's this really, really, I think interesting and also exciting spot in the game industry where we have these games, these AAA experiences that one are not hitting the mark in terms of quality and what you get delivered for a $70 yeah. price tag. And on the other side, there's it's like a pendulum and they're coming down but on the rise and coming up are these incredible indie titles like 2022 is an incredible year for indie games that have low marketing budgets but and like super small development teams and i'm just looking at some of the best indie games of 2022 we have tunic we have cult of the lamb roller dome stray a game that got nominated for game of the year yep and all of these titles that are not these giants with giant studios and huge contractors and these big, huge like corporations for yeah. lack of a better word that think they can produce something and then more. And they're, they're driven for market um, for market gain and profit margins and all these other things. When I think indie studios are, have just been like on the rise in a way that feels so refreshing. Like I, yep. but it's only if you know about them. like in the popular, like, us as people who are in the gaming industry have a much wide like and we broader sense. this is like what we do we have a broader sense and of the we're gaming looking market at it all the time whole. we're looking at it all the and time. we're looking at it all the time whereas like the general public like i was talking to my roommate the other day my roommate casually games sure and he was saying nothing good comes out these days he said he said i heard an elden ring i heard a god of war this last year that's probably it absolutely yeah exactly that's literally it like and he hasn't heard anything else that i was playing this year and there's just this general sense that i've been seeing especially around like popular streamers who stream like warzone mm-hmm. and games as service games that are like they just don't make games like they used to anymore yeah and there's i think there's reasons for that i think particular like i think games as a service has to do a little bit with that i i think we will get to this in I want to save some of the games of service stuff for our clip that we have coming up here. But I think there's a, you hit the nail on the head in a sense to developers are creating games that they think will be profitable profitable and popular for a long time instead of focusing on the core pieces of their games that actually make it good. If a game is good. They're not focused on art. Like they're not artistically driven. No. That being said, there are games that will not be artistically driven, like driven, that will make the most money. Like we are talking 100%. about Call of Duty, which are copy pastas every year with small changes, yep. and they do deliver on quality every year. Yes, mm-hmm. it's just it. Like they're a Call of Duty game is not going to come out and score under a six, like a seven. It's going to be a seven and above mostly. I mean, I think. I think you're mostly right, but yeah, I think there has been there this is. like the Call of Duty, Call of Duties in recent history. I feel like have been a little lower on that scale. Absolutely, like to where it's like it days. used to be. Right, we're not in the glory days of Call of Duty. I think a more, I think the best example for this would be Fortnite. Being what? Being like it's consistent. It's one game. Yeah, that is being developed over and over again, and it's being made improvements to, and things yeah. are changing in it. And it's like it's quality. It like is quality. Game mechanics are really sound. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I would say that, like, 
I guess what I was going for with the Call of Duty example was that they do it every year. Like a new one comes out every year and they know that they have not only a huge audience that plays the games, but a huge streaming audience that plays the game too. And it is their core game. And I would say that streaming and content creation help guide those games into long-term playability now in, in a way that it didn't when that was less popular or streaming wasn't really popular or things like that. Um, and so I would, I can see, I mean, we already see it. These games such as Call of Duty will use the streamers opinions on those games to dictate how their game works because they want them to enjoy it, which means their audience will enjoy it, which is thousands, tens of thousands of people, yeah. you know, yeah. each, each one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that cycle is really tough. Because it's like you're only going towards certain markets. Game takes so many years to get developed as well that when you start, what's popular when you start developing and what's popular when you stop developing is completely different. And we're seeing that in so many ways right now instead of the indie games, which have a vision and they just execute on the vision that they like to do or that they want to do, that they feel passionate about doing. And it hits. Because it, they're not mm-hmm. relying on what is popular in in the instance, right? They're not they're, they're not trying to cast like they're not trying to follow a trend cast and say like, is right. this going to be popular in a year, two yeah. years? They have their vision for a game, and they say we're going to do this game because this is what we want to do. Exactly. Yeah. And to bring it back to the the discussion on Halo, yeah. I didn't include some of these quotes, but um, one quote in particular was like, listen, there are still people working really hard on Halo Infinite I believe to it. make it that game. Like, look at Forge. Like, totally. the Forge team, it's taken a while, but it's an incredible experience. I was talking a few weeks ago, probably two months ago, on the show about how my friends jumped into Halo Forge, mm-hmm. and it's super cool. People recreated the Krusty Krab. People recreated the Waffle House. so many cool environments. The Waffle House. I, I fought in Walmart All these this super week. fun environments. Yeah, for real. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of really cool direction going on there. But again, it's not this. It doesn't. It's almost like it's a conflict of interest between these developers who are really working hard on the game and the studio execs who are working hard on promoting these games. Yeah. When I think while Halo Infinite is still going in that direction of like improving that game, Microsoft already kind of left it in the dust. Like, there's not going to be market like. Maybe there's going to sure. be like one or two videos coming out for Forge in yep. the near future promoing it, mm-hmm. but they're not putting out more marketing content, no more billboards to promote Halo Forge. No, You're not going to see that. They said these layoffs will affect the single player team more than anything, which is tough. Really? Too. Yeah. It's tough. Do you think that would be like DLC? Like, what is there was left work on on single player? I don't know. Patching and stuff like that. I'm sure they're working on all sorts of stuff, though. Whatever yeah. it is. Hmm the next project, whatever the next three, four, three's next thing is. Right. I'm sure. They're already working on that. Yeah. And so moving on in this discussion, I think like I, it's going to be really interesting. Vincent and I talked a little bit before the show of um, what does this mean for workers and workers unions as Microsoft has uh, signed a labor neutrality agreement. So they're leaving um, it up to the workers to unionize if they want to, if they want to join um Mm-hmm. games workers unions activision blizzard has not which could affect the activision blizzard deal that's already in that, the middle of the lawsuit i wonder so, how that'll play out yeah right and so with 
a industry in which workers seem to be like when we talk about this art versus marketing production and trend casting and trying to hit numbers mm-hmm. um how does unionization play into that as people who want to like protect people who want to make games versus the leadership at the top who is yeah. seem like i i believe there are people in leadership who generally genuinely want to see Absolutely. great games being made yeah but when i hear about um people like people at 343 who say listen this was a management problem yeah right this we were crunched we were overworked and contractors got taken advantage of this is a very raven situation this is a very raven software solution which there was a lot of contractors that bore the bread or the bore the i don't know what's the what's the phrase i'm going for bore the, the weight yoke. yeah the yoke of bad leadership mm-hmm. yeah i don't know we were talking about ways that a union could help in this case and i think mm-hmm. there's a compelling argument that um because of mismanagement that is the reason that um, there were so many layoffs for employees but on the other side if it is because of that mismanagement and there is truly a misallocation of funds and i mean companies everywhere are forced to do this it's not just gains it's not just like it's like everywhere if a company is mismanaged and has like a bad or they're not uh, getting as much net gain and they just cannot support their employees there has there has to be layoffs to for the company to keep going that's like mm-hmm. i'm sure there are little things they can cut and then it's like we are at a point where we have to do this you know mm-hmm. and so in in that sense i don't know how a, i'm no union expert i don't know how a union could help in there i know that unions can advocate for the workers rights um by maybe before this happens, like setting off, if there's a big layoff, maybe the union can help negotiate a package for these random layoffs with no, like, you know, I, I, this is pretty sudden. I don't think anybody has like, well, you're, you're going to get laid off in the next six months. Like, it's just not like that. This is not how it works. It's always terrible timing. It's just bad. I think unions can. I don't know though. Is like, I, I would like to, yeah. this, this information comes out suddenly. Totally. This yes. Information right. happens suddenly, but I like, that doesn't mean that this process is sudden. Like, yeah. This is a very meditated decision. Right. You don't just overnight say, I'm going to cut 10,000 workers. No, but and then boom. the relay of information from the people that decide that to the employees mm. can be sudden. And I think that suddenness is what the unions can help workers on. I just don't right. know. In this case particular, I have no idea how you, how the union would work like even if they were unionized to this point i'm going to tell you what i would like to see i don't know how feasible this is given it's probably not feasible but what i would like to see is that if this is a truly management based problem yeah right it's not the workers problem the workers were doing all they could they were putting out good work they were putting in their hours maybe even working overtime as it's common in the gaming industry um if it is truly the management's fault to put it like that then I would like to see um, unions advocating for a particular like investigation to prove that it is a mis that is mismanaged. Uh, sorry, yeah. a result of mismanagement. And then because what often happens is because of mismanagement, workers get laid off. What doesn't yeah. happen is that management gets laid off unless it has to do with a certain like uh, scandal or something that could be, yeah. you know damage the reputation of the company as a whole right um so i would like to see Which, advocacy for the management 
to suffer the consequences rather than workers who are who do care about these projects and are actively not again not sure, state sure. management doesn't care right but for these people who are putting these games on their backs and putting out like yeah 50 70 80 hours a week there's, on there's, these projects there has to be accountability all across the board to be honest right. you know it's like it's, it's right it's not let's throw it all on the workers and you know sink sink that ship uh, but right. I think this goes also into the quote that we had from the Microsoft CEO uh, that says they still plan to hire in key, strate- key strategic areas. We have yet to see what that'll be, but I'm assuming that it will be leadership positions, as I said earlier, right. not just right. areas they need help in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's it's very interesting, especially with Activision Blizzard also um, coming in too. Uh, yeah. And they are right. very outspokenly anti-union, you know? Yep. Yep. Where's Which, Microsoft's neutral on it? I mean, no, they're not. I, they're not neutral. I would say like they're they're allowing their I workers would, to do it. They're allowing their workers to be pro union. Sure. In the greater scheme of like, I don't think you can really be neutral on yeah. unions because they're choosing they're, they're choosing a point of neutrality so that they're leaving it up to certain whatever studios to decide or or in games in game sense studios but i have no idea how that works for different or sectors or yeah right yeah. yeah right it's interesting we need a lab we need a union labor uh professional on here so they can tell us why we're wrong about certain things <laughs> yeah i would really like especially, to have specifically, specifically for in games. the games industry yeah. yeah that'd be really incredible I wonder who we could hit with that i don't know could throw it out on twitter twitter's the place man yeah all right moving on to the next here's what we got baby uh okay clip is gonna start at this time okay got it ready suicide squad or try it again (laughs) suicide squad has leaked this week with a brand new image and it james is a games as a service it's ugly it that's is what it is ugly i'm gonna pull up this picture right now because we have a lot to talk about within this uh james when you see this image pop up before before yep. we do this initial thoughts what do you think my mind just goes straight to i think avengers yeah it's it's hard not to <laughs> it's hard not to think of avengers yep i i see battle pass in that top toolbar oh <sighs> Um, yep. And I think of adventures. I see character I see, levels here. I see, yeah. I see a lot of stats. I'm, I see chapter three. Like, it's very mission select based. Which is fine. Um, That's fine with me. I, I want a linear story. Yeah. We see different currencies on the board here. There's five uh, on the top. Uh, Jesus Christ. I forgot about that. Or yeah. those might be skill points. Those could be skill points for each character. And then maybe an overall currency to buy cosmetic things on the left. Not sure. Anyways, this is exactly the opposite of what I wanted from Rocksteady game. Um, I was really hoping that we would get a linear game where I can play with each of the characters and kill the Justice League. Because that sounds like a fun concept, to be honest. And it sounds a little zany. Sounds fun. Uh, but this is not what I want. I don't want to grind with characters. I have no desire to do that. Sounds like we're getting a bullet sponge game. Sounds like we're going to fight the flash and it's going to take 20,000 bullets. (sighs) Instead of like a fun mission to like do it with cool, with like fun mechanics and like puzzles and a dynamic boss fight. Right. Exactly. Evolves over time. Exactly. So here's, 
here's what I want to go into for this video. Because yes, we could talk about this image. We could talk about what the Swiss squad's been looking at like and stuff like that. But I want to pose to you a thought. I think games, I mentioned this earlier on in the podcast as well. I believe that studios are starting to, um, when they start a game, they're looking at what's popular right when they start that game and what will be popular. And I believe that this game is three to four years too late on releasing as a games of service for people to be excited about. I truly do not believe that people are excited right now about games of service as much as they were excited for games of a service. Do you know, I think what was the first game to be this? This was our warning. What? Our red flag, the the deer, the dead deer that is the foreshadowing of this entire trend. I think it's Anthem. Oh, Anthem hurt. Anthem was a painful, painful thing for everybody. Because that was the first one after the initial wave, after Destiny, after Fortnite. I feel like it was... Yeah, Anthem. but just like we talked about earlier, this is a great episode, by the way. So if you haven't listened to the whole episode, you can go do that on podcast platforms or right here, become a member on YouTube. Uh, but there is Anthem did not hit the quality mark like that straight no. up, whereas Destiny no. hits the quality mark. It's it, the gameplay is fun, the, which is the why is the biggest ones are able to be successful. Yeah, because they have. Yeah, exactly. they hit the market at the right time at the beginning of the cycle. Yes. And they continue to develop that well that they continue to capitalize on their games as a service element in a way that was quality right in a way that worked and they committed hard to it and this is why avengers didn't work because the base was not up to spec i i think right. i enjoyed playing through the storyline and uh the deals the black panther dlc was awesome like i would drop the whole game and just play that six hours because that was like way better than the whole entire live service element of that game that they were trying to do um and i feel like because avengers was just a huge flop rooney uh that this is this is a terrible thing to come out i guess after an avengers world where you can play as uh, it's also hard because rock city had did one character so freaking well like they did batman and batman was so fun they yep. delivered four or three great games uh and they were able to develop Batman and their moveset and like you playing Batman, but having four different characters split up, do they split development on those? So it's like each of them are a little bit half baked in their gameplay. Like, I don't know how this works because Avengers definitely felt like that a little. Everything was a little half baked yeah. with having so many spread out characters. We haven't really seen a successful game that you're able to play as so many characters and then also have like the individuality of like this character absolutely rocks this huge move set and this whole thing. And I don't know, Avengers was bit half baked and I really want this to be a full fledged featured, like each character is completely different plays extremely differently, but all plays nice plays together. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just a thought games of service, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you write down that you don't think you'll, we'll stop seeing games as a service in the next five or so years. I wrote down I wrote down that we're not going to stop seeing games of services in the next few years because it takes this game took so long to develop. Like this game was in development since probably Arkham Knight. So you think there are games that are like still in development who are unfortunately yes. just going to come out and die. Like yes. that's essentially what's going to happen is they're going to come out, they're going to get initial critic scores of it's going to hit the metacritic of 70. Yep. And then is but and there's going to be no buzz besides maybe initial buzz and they're just going to flop. Yeah, 
I, I truly believe that. I, I believe that there are a lot of think, games in development. Do you like think that. after this development cycle, right, after the games as a service that are already in development, which I don't know if I could pin any others besides I mean, Ubisoft said they canceled seven games as a service in the yeah. last two years. But I okay. don't know how far any of those were in development. Who knows? But uh-huh. they, some of them could have been just in the planning stages. So do you think after that development cycle, do you think we're going to see any more new games as a service models? Yes. Try and pop up. Th- or th- do you think it's going to continue to be a trend? Like what, what's the scale of that for you? I think, I think it's trending right now. So studios are working on it. I don't think the trend goes away because I think there are plenty of successful games of service games that are pitchable in a sense of like somebody has a new idea of a better destiny 2 a better final fantasy 14 i'm talking like the biggest games of service games a better like diablo 4 is going to be games as a service in a sense it'll be very interesting to see how they do that because they're not really known for that and i guess Mm -hmm. they have a lot of dlc and stuff expansions but how are they going to have that living breathing aspect of you can jump in anytime and always have plenty of things to do um I, i think they will figure that out but like I think there are going to be games that evolve games as a service, but until we see that big step in evolution, everything to get there is not going to be enough and they will flop bad. Right. It's going to be, you're going to have your, a lot of sacrificial goats before you finally get to that one. Yeah. So many. And I think it's just as an industry, I don't think that's healthy for developers. No way, dude. This is going like, to be bad. I, it shouldn't take. Yeah. It shouldn't take. Because I'm thinking about the studios. I'm thinking we talked about Halo mm-hmm. Infinite r- earlier on this show. We talked about how that like inevitably became one of these sacrificial goats. When for Microsoft, for that company, they needed for their portfolio yeah. Halo Infinite to be a, a big hit. They needed it to be that sustained game that continually had lots of players playing. Yeah. And because it just didn't hit the games as a service model. Again, it felt great to play. I remember when that yep. game initially came out, everyone was like, this is the best feeling first person shooter in years. James, we played more Halo together than any other game. We never gamed Absolutely. together, but we gamed a lot of Halo. We did a game a lot of Halo, yeah. but because the it just i don't think it was built for the games of a service i think it was tacked on or it just was half baked like right. you say about no, that's suicide squad it's it, just not that's the part of it i i think we talked about this earlier too is that the game has to release quality and people have to enjoy the core pieces of the game the games of service right. cannot be tacked on to that and it can't be the opposite around which is even worse where the game is not quality and the core is not strong but the games of service is like we have this huge plan for years of content like just stick with us because nobody's going to want to play both no. sides have to be really good the games of service have to give a reason to stay and the gameplay has to give a reason to stay both of these things have right. to be solid I, from what i've seen for suicide squad i don't i'm not seeing either i'm i'm seeing the gameplay as being Okay, I don't know. It looks pretty arcadey, like a little sunset overdrive type of thing where you're whipping around the city shooting stuff. Sure. Uh, and then this games of service screen that I'll pull back up one more time is it just leaves me with Avengers. It's like, why am I gonna care to do all the missions? There's lit in Avengers, there is no reason to do everything. Like no reason, no. except maybe a cosmetic. Uh but like the gameplay's not fun to get there. Why why are we gonna keep playing Suicide Squad after it comes out? We'll have to see. 
we will have to see this is all speculative i mean absolutely not all of it but like a, a lot of this is speculative of how the game will actually play totally but for now we're we're skeptical and i would like to be wrong let's face it i would love yeah i would love for this game to come out score extremely high and people i mean when t games like this come out even if they score high you have to be a little skeptical about the games of service element because like we don't know long term what they will change to that right which could affect score or won't sense. change or won't change but if we get a solid a solid story um fun gameplay in the base game and it doesn't rely on the games of service element too hey, well, i'll be happy to just to play that i'm gonna i'm gonna throw something at you that just came into my mind yeah yeah i don't know how you run out i don't know how you run a live service game that's yeah. just story mode me neither. I don't know. What are they going to do with this? What are you going to do? Just Are you just going to do more story missions over and over again? Well, I don't understand how that works. Well, James, let me tell you. We're going to introduce raids to this in which Superman's back is bizarro. And this time you're going to have to go through. Actually, this sounds really sick. Are you joking my ass? You're going to have to go through. Uh, <laughs> this sounds like Destiny. This is just what Destiny does. Right. I know. Because again, we have not had a games of service game that has revolutionized the idea of what a games of service is since destiny. And I think that's why destiny's waning right now is because it has so many growing pains of what they're doing or what they did was so popular and so awesome and new and fresh that they keep doing that, which is fine. There are plenty of people that still play it and it's making money, but it's not interesting enough for me to like sink my hooks in because it did right. destiny sank its hooks in me. So for so long, and I would, mm -hmm. I'm willing to give myself up to Destiny again, but I'm. And I want to, I want to get like this is my main issue with the games as a service model, specifically talking about Destiny Two. Is developers will introduce gameplay elements that are different. Yeah. Right. Like Destiny, in particular, they'll say, "Here's a new power for you to try out." But the issue is that doesn't change the actual game itself. It changes you. It changes an avenue for like a way for you to play, but it's only yeah. marginal difference. It doesn't. Mm -hmm change how boss fights work like that's why no. i really loved the change the first i think the the change that i think actually did that for me that i'm like whoa this is completely different was in destiny one taking king dlc mm -hmm. it changed the way a lot of the raids worked uh it yeah. changed the, a lot of the strikes to more um like puzzle based like these boss fights are dynamic and they're evolving and they have elements that you're like oh you have to take out this guy first because he buffs the other dude yeah so you can't you can't just shoot whatever you want you have to like think about these fights yeah but ever since then i have yet to see another big change in how boss fights are done how the core gameplay loop is and yeah what you're actually doing on a um mission to mission firefight to firefight basis and that's where I think games as a service games lose me is it's so much of the same thing for such a prolonged period of time. And I think Fortnite's pretty good at that about changing their maps and changing different things you can do within that and mm -hmm. different movement options and, you know, just cut like um, experimenting with different items that are dramatically different yeah. about how you traverse the environment and how you can interact with other players and interact with the environment. Um I have a lot to say about what you just said too. And if you want to listen to the entire podcast, you can hear the rest of our thoughts on games of service. Thank you guys so much for watching. And if you want to know everything about Suicide Squad, stay right here at Strictly Casual. Go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Strictly Casual Checkpoints, little blue box. You can click it. It's a little audio. Listen, this is episode 145. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you on the next one. Peace out. Um, okay, because I, I could go on a whole tangent about like, like, it's or, like there's an expectation 
mm-hmm. when you jump into Fortnite that you know what you're going to get. You're getting a battle royale game where you jump in, you know it's going to be this fun, different character thing, and you're going to play with friends and do it, right? Uh, but the, at the core, you're dropping in with 100 people and trying to be the last team standing. That's it. That's yes. what that's what Fortnite does. And sure, they and, have their creative like, mode that's whatever. Such like a, that's such like a... It's broad enough to where like it's simple. Yeah. It is a simple thing, and because they have that simple yeah. baseline foundation, like they are able to be so creative with literally everything else. Yep. So it, long as they maintain that, and they don't like they even have other modes that are not like that. Yeah. Like their creative mode is insanely cool. Yeah, they've they've given a lot of tools to people just to play around with, which is fun. In Destiny, I think that their seasonal approach was very interesting for a a year four seasons four parts of a story you play through and then so like you're still getting story through it but you grind up each season then you they set you up and then they grind up set you up but we're now at year three or four of doing four seasons per year we're on season like 17 or whatever the crap it is and that model is no longer interesting to me it's it's very it's cumbersome it's it sucks and the stories are inconsistent yeah, I you have to like get to a certain spot before you experience the story. And I feel like I was really into the Destiny lore and like I understood a lot was going on, but now I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what character's coming back and this and that. And it's not but it's I know it's not worth it for me to play it because it has to be the only game I play also. Which right. is which is where Fortnite, I don't feel like it has to be the only game I play. I can jump in whenever and right. that's a successful games of service as well. It's a play at your own pace and um I feel like it's important to have things that you miss out on in a games of service because that inspires people to keep playing. That's with battle pass skins and Fortnite and all that kind of stuff. And destiny sure has that, but I think it's a little too heavy on that um, to where I, I never feel like I'm, I'm making it. I'm making any progress right. even with the level. I feel like with destiny, everything is kind of locked at the top. Yeah. Yeah. And they try to mitigate that by uh, putting things at the, giving you some stuff at the start right to try to power you up quick to be like oh here's that new exotic that we act it's you really got the new exotic right away but you have to get a better version later on if you want it to be viable right um anyways i think that games of service like to wrap this portion of the conversation up is still interesting to me and still a um something that can get me excited but I no longer can get excited about them before they prove their their worth, I guess, or prove their prove that they have what it has to take it to do it, which sucks. But I think we're going to see a lot more games of service games in the next five years, four years. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I don't Unfortunately. know. I love it. It's super interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how many of these conversations we continue to have. I'm sure we will have it a lot. It's such a big part of the game. It's such a big part of games right now. It's the most profitable part of the gaming industry. It, it totally is. Yeah. By far. It's not even close. The Battle Pass think, took the world by storm, James. I don't think the games industry would be as profitable as it as it is right now as the most popular entertainment. I'm sorry, the most profitable entertainment industry no if shot. it wasn't for the Battle Pass system and games as a service. What was the first to do Battle Pass? Was it Fortnite? No. It must maybe. I don't really know, because I mean, as soon as Call of Duty adopted that, we have, I, I mean, every game's a service game has a battle pass. Destiny has a battle pass now. Like, first known instance of a paid battle pass came via Dota Two back in 2013. Okay, got it. I guess that may, I mean Dota has a huge player base. I'm sure that did popularize the battle pass. 
Crazy. Well, it is really crazy. We got one more thing. I I put another story in here, uh, and then deleted it because maybe I'll save it for next week. But I do want to talk yeah, about yeah the 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 gameplay for the um that zombie game. Yeah, I want to talk about the day before at some point. The day before and yeah. studios lying to companies like uh um what was that one? The people that said they were working on the Metal Gear uh Konami. No, abandoned. Remember that PS5 demo that never worked and everybody downloaded oh, it? Oh shit, yeah, abandoned. I think, I think there's a really interesting conversation there. But mm-hmm. But I wanted to talk about this. Metal Gear announcements coming soon as a remake, remaster, gossip returns. And this is in our segment called a grain of salt, which is just a rumor. This is just news. I don't really have a lot to talk about this, but I think it's worth mentioning again because we have like actual voice actors commenting on it now. Mm-hmm. Which we've been talking about. It's not just it's not just source, just trust me, bro. Yeah, it's not a just trust me, bro thing. And I mean, I get excited about this. Push Square. This comes from Push Square. It says these Metal Gear Revive rumors, revival rumors, just refuse to go away. We've been writing about this supposed return for well over a year at this point, and so far, Konami said absolutely nothing on the matter. However, with the company forcing itself back into the spotlight with all the recent Silent Hill news, it seems as though uh, the Metal Gear gossip has well and truly returned. As is the usual case, most of the renewed speculation is coming from industry insiders, uh, some of whom are now adamant that an announcement is coming soon. Like what, James? Well, we've heard it all before, but then you've got stuff like Raiden's voice actor tweeting, stay tuned for things in the coming weeks. When replying to fans who are discussing a new Metal Gear Rising, let's face it, that would be a weird thing to tweet if nothing was happening. Uh, the tweet says, perhaps a Metal Gear Rising 2, along with the rest of upcoming Metal Gear Showcase, might just make it. Quentin Flynn says, stay tuned for things to be announced in the coming weeks with the winky emoji. Can you imagine? We get a little Konami direct, which is we're we're remaking Metal Gear, this, this, and this. And uh, we're also in development on Metal Gear Rising, a sequel or something. That'd be really interesting um, to have a rising sequel. It feels like no one's really asking for a sequel. I don't know how the first one ended, but people are asking for a remaster. Yeah. Uh, we could see Konami remastering Ryzen, for example, in celebration of the game's 10th anniversary, which is coming up next month. But uh, do the publisher's plans expand beyond this? Again, insiders would have you believe it. But as always, we'll have to wait and see. There's something I really like. I get drawn to about Metal Gear Rising. Yeah. I, I don't. I it? just. I have a memory of like. This is so weird. Like going over to a friend's house and playing it on their PS3 and like not stopping. Like really. Like like loving that game like sitting down and just playing and playing and playing it i didn't get it i played the demo and I was, it was just it felt weird to me like oh, i remember okay. the controls were very wonky yeah it was so fast that yeah. i just like sometimes games that are too fast like i'm like i have no idea what the fuck to do here i feel like right. i'm doing everything wrong yeah it was one of those ones where like my friend would pass the controller to me and i, I like I had not played it enough to like, understand. <laughs> and then i like hand it back and he's playing someone i'm like so excited to play it more like, I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. why that is, like, such a memory for this game. I don't remember anything in the game besides, like, some robots and some people you slice up. I remember the UI is actually absolutely insane in this game. Like, <laughs> there's so many fucking, like, holograms and shit. Like, yeah. you know, like, UI right. interface shit that's going on that I'm like, I. it's so overwhelming. Yeah. But a lot of people really, really love this game. It has a really fun, um, like, satirical yeah. uh, tone to mm-hmm. it like there's that whole boss fight at the end where it's like yeah. i'm tired of your bureaucratic bullshit yeah and politicians you know uh-huh. it's just this big huge fucking dude in a i'd love to in a that. suit yeah yeah i can't wait yeah uh james tell me what you've been playing this week before we wrap this episode up 
Vincent, I haven't played a lick of God of War this week. That's okay. And I feel bad about it. Don't. You should play it I when do. you want to. No, I, I do. I feel bad about it because I want to experience this game, but every time I hop in, it feels so dull. Wow. Okay. I don't know what it is like because I'm thinking of the gameplay loop and the gameplay loop in God of War is not... I'm not into it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm just really not into the gameplay loop right now. I don't want to walk around and aim my axe at a thing and figure out a little puzzle and hmm. throw it and hit the thing to cause the thing to fall and then do a little puzzle to unlock a chest that I'm going to get some bullshit hack silver for Yeah. and then go into a room and fight five enemies and then do a little dialogue and then walk around for 10 minutes and then do it again. Okay. Um, you're, you're not looking for it's that It's just right not appealing now. to me right now. I'm just not looking for so, it right yeah, now. Yeah, take a pause. Take a pause. I'm trying to figure out what I want right now. Yeah. I've been jumping around. I'm playing some Sekiro, beat okay. Lady Butterfly last night. Mm-hmm. Um, Crazy-ass boss fight. Uh, play a little Dorf Romantic, which is a little casual, like, tile-based city builder game. Amazing. Really fun where you match up tiles to meet certain requirements and get more um, have I points. Seen before? I don't know. Uh, yes, I have. It's very cute. And I've been playing Risk on Steam with some buddies of mine from back home. I saw that. I saw on Discord. It said James playing Risk. I was like, "This is epic." It's so fun. I love. I I lose every time. Sure. It is so difficult. I can't figure out the strategy. Yeah. But it's but fun. I'm determined to find That's my awesome. strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I played a little bit of Elden Ring to try and jump back and do another build, mm-hmm. but I realized how much is in that damn game. It's just so fucking big with so many bosses and so many nitty gritty things to explore. And it overwhelmed me. And I said, I can't do this. I mean, it took me 80 hours for one playthrough. So I got like, I'm, I imagine I dream about, Oh yeah, I'll go and start another build. But like, I don't want to yet. Like, Oh, I'm going to wait a long time to go back into, which is why I think dark souls three is a better game. It's way more replayable. Hmm. It's just shorter. You can, it's just so much more linear that you like know exactly where you're at and you know yeah. the paths. You know your way around it so much better. Whereas like Elden Ring, I feel like I'm worried about missing a thing because I yeah. didn't go a right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just easy to jump back in and be like, all right, I'm going to start this character. Boom, boom, boom. Start from square one. And like that's the type of game where your first playthrough will be like 50, 60 hours. But then every other one will be like 20, 30. Got it. Yeah. Um, and then I've been playing Apex with the buds. Nice. Apex is fun. Very I like nice. it. That's probably my favorite uh, battle royale shooter Good. right now. I, for some reason, I can't get back into it. Really? Yeah, like I, I freaking loved it when it came out. I played a lot of Apex, and then yeah, ever since then, I, I'll hop in for a little bit, or someone will be like, "Oh yeah, redownload it." Like they have this new thing, and it's never bad. I just, for some reason, I never want to go play it again. You know what? I think Apex for me is the ideal battle royale, like games as a service game, mm-hmm. because I don't play it for anything but the core gameplay loop. Yeah, it's fun. Just like I really enjoy the like the weapons, yeah, the speed. Everything feels so good, mm-hmm. um, and because of that feeling, I keep coming back to. It, and my friends are playing it. Right, that's the important you know part. that's a big that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, but 
because of that, I'm so much more likely to keep coming back to it than a game that just isn't fun. Yeah. For me, like the, the core gameplay loop is not a good time. That's why I don't come back to Destiny because I don't want to. It's so bullet spongy for, I guess it's a, it's a different because like, yeah, it's game. not PVP, right. you know, but for Fortnite, it's just like sometimes, oh, I really like Fortnite. Never mind. <laughs> sure. I really like Fortnite. But Apex yeah. fun right now. You're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, I played one game this week and I haven't had any time. It's been such a busy week for me. I have barely gamed, but that is Death's Door. I can't stop thinking about Death's Door. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. I think the art style is so fun. The combat is great. Um, the way they do, like, it's a challenging game. Very did you challenging. Buy it? I did buy it. I bought it a long time cool. ago, but I've just yeah. been sitting there and it's one of those things where nothing's looking fun to me to play. Like, I don't, I don't, Witcher's too big for me right now. Death Stranding is, like, I, I love Death Stranding, but I, and I got really, I'm a lot farther in and I'm going to finish that game, but. Like I'm not feeling it right now and I'm not feeling Mm -hmm. need for speed right now or like anything. I was like, I'm just going to try something else that I've had downloaded. Like I've had this for so long. Let's give it a shot. I absolutely love it. It has a great, great system, James, to where when you die at a boss fight, you are set back a little bit, but not set back enough to where you don't want to go fight the boss. And there's, they strike a fine balance of being prepared to fight the boss, but not I'm going to avoid it at all costs until I'm overly powerful to go fight this thing. Like, it's going to give you a challenge no matter what. And play Dark Souls 3. That's how I feel about Dark Souls 3. Maybe. I'm going to play. I'm going to play Death's Door. But it's got fantastic puzzles. It's really good. I will play Dark Souls 3. I played the beginning. I I beat the first boss in Dark Souls 3. I think you're going to enjoy it more that you played Elden Ring. For sure. I feel like I'm more open for that. Um, I think it's on sale on PlayStation right now, but that sale might have ended. I really want Sekiro, dude. Sekiro's great. It's really fucking hard. Yeah. Sekiro's the hardest. It's the hardest from software. I want to do it. I want to do it so bad. I see people play it. I'm like, oh, I want it. I want it bad. It is very much like the classic Souls. Like, if you can't fight this boss, you're just going to ram your head into a wall for like 30 hours. Like, remember when I was fighting the monkey? Oh, yeah. You were there for days. I remember I was there for like months not yeah. even days yeah you put it down. it was the thing where i had to it's the type of game where you have to put it down you're like i'm gonna go play a bunch of other games i'm yeah. gonna come back around and then one of these days is just gonna be the right time yeah freaking love it mm-hmm. all right y'all that is episode 145 of checkpoint we appreciate you guys so much for watching and uh hope you're liking the new kind of direction we're going with it question mark i thought i thought we did good today I really enjoyed this episode, Ben. I had a great, I had a great time doing this episode too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, please subscribe on audio platforms. Helps us out a lot. It really, really does. I know we say it a lot, but please. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next one. Peace out.